0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poor. and my guest today is Patrick. Pat, help me with your last name.
1: Sure, it's Batuello, Cynthia.
0: Batuello. Yes. Pat. Pat has been a uh, staunch opponent of horse racing for quite some time. And he's built a, a a really good organization, and he's here to talk about his organization and why he would like to stop horse racing in New York State, actually the country. So, when did you first get interested in this in this uh, endeavor?
1: Sure. So, I was writing the animal rights blog for the Times Union. Uh, back in 2012, 2013. And when I was researching for a post on horse racing, I found that there was really um, not a lot of information out there and there was uh-huh. no big group really taking the industry on. I felt like the race horses were being underrepresented. Um, you know, I'm sure you remember regular protests here in Albany going back, you know, decades. There have been, protests against fur and factory farming and animal testing, but with race, you know, race horses and horse racing, there, there wasn't any organized effort to take the industry on, so kind of fell into it that way, um, but then after, you know, getting started, I started compiling data, which had never been done before, so prior to us, no one had any idea how many horses were being killed on American tracks every year. Uh, the details of those deaths, you know, the names of those horses. So that's what we're known for mostly is our data. And we can certainly get into that if you'd like.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, basically when a horse is put down, what's the reason for it?
1: Well, <clears throat> it's a common misconception that uh all these horses die of broken legs and they're euthanized because, um, because of the broken limb. That does make up uh, you know, a good portion of the deaths, but horses are also dying of what are called cardiovascular collapse, um, so their hearts are giving, giving out. This is happening, mind you, to animals who are mostly still in puberty. They die of pulmonary hemorrhage, so they're bleeding out from their lungs they die of oh horse head trauma from collisions with other horses or the track itself. They die of ruptured ligaments and, of course, those shattered legs that, we, that I mentioned at the outset. So horses are not good candidates for surgical repair of broken limbs. Occasionally, they will try to do that if a horse is valuable and want to try to save the horse for the breeding shed. But... Most often, what happens is the horse develops uh, what's called laminitis in uh, one or multiple feet because they are built to distribute their weight evenly on all four limbs. And when mm-hmm. you operate and you ask a horse, um, you know, to be laid up with one limb not in use, uh, typically the other the other limbs will develop um, these these problems that lead to euthanasia. So. That's why, you know, horses who break their legs on the track most often are euthanized. It is the right thing to do, um, you know, for that particular horse.
0: Mm. So on the average, we're near Saratoga. So on the average, when people from all over the world come to Saratoga with their finest clothes and and their it's a, you know, <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful time for people to gather and see what, what how other ladies are dressed and so forth. On the average, how many horses perish each year in
1: Saratoga? Almost 15, Cynthia, every year. And we're talking about a short six-week meet so almost 15 i remember back in 2017 when saratoga had 21 deaths the media was shocked and outraged and they were saying things like you know this is this is unprecedented and and i would remind them that saratoga at the time was averaging around 14 deaths per summer so this is really not out of whack the numbers will fluctuate from year to year but overall they're unfailingly constant So we pretty much know how many horses are going to die at a certain track or across the country every year. We estimate that over 2,000 horses are killed racing or training across America annually, over 2,000. That's almost six every single day. So people need to know that this is what their seemingly innocuous bet on the Kentucky Derby is supporting or going up to Saratoga on a summer afternoon uh, as a social outing. Say you have your family and you want to take advantage of the face painting and the bouncy bounce and the food and the beer, you got college kids going up there just to spend an afternoon. You have to connect the dots. So when you go there, when you pay your admission ticket, when you put a bet down, you're supporting animal cruelty and animal killing.
0: For for people who like to go to the track or watch it on, on TV, the, the big races or follow it in the newspaper, do those people think that you're really, you know, far out?
1: Initially, they did, yes. So when we first started, especially here in the Saratoga region, we were admonished by the public and even the media to work with the industry to reform it. We were told you will never end horse racing. There's too much history. There's too much money. You're never going to end it. So, you know, get on the reform bandwagon. We have stayed consistent with our messaging from the outset. We have said that this is no different than dog racing, which you may or may not know, is all but dead in this country. There are Four tracks left. By the end of next year, there will only be two tracks left in the entire nation. In fact, dog racing is outright prohibited on moral grounds in 41 states. Prohibited on moral grounds in 41 states. Meanwhile, (laughs) horse racing is considered the sport of kings. And therein Mm -hmm. lies our challenge. So we have to get people to reassess. And I'm confident that if they were to just line up dog racing and horse racing side by side, they would come to the inescapable conclusion that there is zero difference in the way these animals are treated. And in fact, I would argue that horse racing is worse because of slaughter. The majority of spent racehorses end up at the slaughterhouse, which in and of itself is evil. So you have one industry that's dying on its way out. You have another industry that's, you know, hailed as a sport of kings. In fact, Saratoga likes to bill itself the oldest sporting venue in the nation. So there's our challenge is to get people to reassess and to look at it through a fresh lens. And we're confident that if they do, horse racing will follow dog racing.
0: Now, most people who don't follow it, like myself, I know about the Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown, and the meet in Saratoga. What else is big throughout the country that – People should be aware of so yeah there's about a hundred tracks
1: or so in this country the bulk of those tracks I would say between 70 and 75 percent are being wholly propped up by corporate welfare taxpayer funded subsidies and the way it works is the uh, racing industry when they were having trouble competing against casinos and lotteries went to state legislatures and they said look if you don't help us out here and we fail, you're going to put thousands of people out of work. Well, first off, those numbers, those job numbers are wildly inflated. Uh, they're not, you know, the numbers that the, the industry likes to put out. Um, and and even at that, most of those jobs are low paying, even some under minimum wage. But beyond that, we're talking about propping up this clearly declining industry and So I'm getting back to how how this works. So they would allow these racinos to be built at these racetracks. So it's a combination racino-casino. They'd put these slots machines in, and a portion of the slots revenue, instead of going back to the state for things like education infrastructure, which is where all state-sponsored gambling is supposed to go, it was being redirected back into the horse racing operation and going into purse money. And and going into the breeders. So in New York, there are 11 racetracks, seven harness and four thoroughbred. Without those subsidies, without that corporate welfare, nine of the 11 tracks, all seven harness tracks and aqueduct and Finger Lakes would have closed years ago if not for this corporate welfare. They're getting roughly $240 million every year, the horse racing industry. $240 $240 million that should be going to education. So as I like to say, this leads to a triple wrong. One, it it's, goes against the American system of economics, the free market system. We have had myriad industries and businesses come and go in this country as, as demand and taste change. And I use the classic example of the horse and buggy around the turn of the last century. There was a mm-hmm. lot of hand-wringing in that industry when the automobile was introduced. They said, well, you're going to throw people out of work. Uh, You've got to help us out here. And what happened? The automobile industry created, you know, multiple, you know, uh, jobs more than the horse and buggy industry did. So this is the way the system works. One door closes, another one opens. The second mm-hmm. law is that this $240 million is coming at the expense of school children. Again, state-sanctioned gambling, whether it's casinos or lotteries, horse horse racing, uh, now sports betting, uh, betting on football, basketball, baseball, is supposed to benefit the public good, in most, most especially education. So school children are being cheated out of $240 million every year because we're propping up this dying industry. And of course, the third wrong, which is the one we are most focused on in horse racing wrongs, is that we are subsidizing cruelty and killing in New York State. Over 100 horses are being killed every year at New York tracks, over 100, easily. Since 2009, which is the first year that the Gaming Commission released data, 1,400 racehorses have died. And that's just the killing. There is that day-in and day-out cruelty that most people are unaware of. The typical racehorse is kept locked in a tiny 12-by-12 stall for over 23 hours a day, all alone, by himself. These are naturally social herd animals locked up in a tiny stall. When I testified before the New York State Senate in 2019, a prominent equine vet here in New York, Dr. Craig Kulakowski, also testified, this is on equine welfare, racehorse welfare. He likened keeping a horse locked up like that to keeping a child in a four-by-four four closet for over 23 hours a day. So, imagine wow. that, we, you know, it's one thing for me to say it as an activist. I could be dismissed. They could say, well, you're just being, you know, sentimental or anthropomorphic. But when a, an expert, an equine vet says, no, this, this is what it's like. That would be the same as keeping a child in a four-by-four four closet. So these horses who are confined like this, they exhibit the same stereotypies that we used to see with the Ringland elephants, you know, the bobbing, swaying, the weaving. For horses, they, they do what's called uh, air-sucking or cribbing. They incessantly kick. They even self-mutilate. These are clear, crystal clear signs of mental and emotional distress. These animals are suffering. Every single day. And this, again, is the way the average racehorse is kept at American tracks. Every single day like this. And this goes on for years. So it's more than just the killing. It's the cruelty, the everyday cruelty. You know, of course, they're drugged and dope. Most people are aware of that, you know, without consent, obviously. Um, They are commodified. So in the eyes of the law, racehorses are property, chattel. So the average racehorse will be bought and sold multiple times over the course of his so-called career, which adds anxiety and stress to an already anxious, stressful existence. In fact, studies show that up to 90% of active racehorses suffer from chronic ulcers, up to 90%. And then, of course, there's the whipping. that goes on in full public view. So if you were to whip a dog in the park, what do you think would happen? Someone would call the police and you'd be arrested for animal cruelty, correct? Right. That doesn't happen at the doesn't happen at the racetrack. Because it's always been done that way, because this is the way horse racing has always been done. This is allowed to continue. We are whipping horses for gambling. And make no mistake, whipping hearse. I've got studies that I cited on the website, HorseracingWrongs.org, that test you know, I, I attest to that. But also, a couple of years back, the equine medical director in California, Dr. Rick Arthur, who is no, um, he's no anti-racing activist, he admitted at a conference, freely admitted, that of course whipping hurts. Of course, that's the only reason we do it, is because pain is a motivator, pain and fear. So any of this nonsense that the industry comes out with and says, well, it's just a harmless guide, and the horses, you know, have thick, thick skin, and they don't even feel it, and they're, most of the time they're just reacting to the sound of the whip as opposed to the feel. That's a, a load of nonsense, okay? Clearly striking them. In fact, the studies that I cite show that the horse's skin is more sensitive than human skin. You can see it, you know, when, you're, when, a, when a fly lands on a horse, they're trying to get that fly off of them. They're feeling that fly on their hide. Well, you can imagine what a whip does. So uh, often these horses will come back with welts on their bodies, you know, from excessive whipping. So, again, these, these, these multiple wrongs that I like to call, you know, the, the wrongs of horse racing, uh, it, it's beyond just the killing. You know, this is cruel, it's animal cruelty, and people need to recognize that and they need to boycott accordingly.
0: So you've, you've gone before the New York State Legislature, right? I have.
1: Right. And what? Was and that hearing was Well, the hearing was ostensibly about improving racehorse welfare. So um, while most of the speakers stood up and you know had different ideas to try to improve you know the conditions and the welfare, I was up there saying no, this is impossible to fix okay the The cruelty is inherent the the killing is inevitable horse racing must end so my my viewpoint was admittedly extreme, but it's the one that's necessary and I always go back to you know human slavery you know could we legislate that to make it more acceptable uh, could any number of reforms had made it um Something that we could abide in this country? No, of course not. So the abolitionists in the mid-19th century were saying, "This can't be fixed. This is wrong from the start. It has to end." The same thing mm-hmm. we're saying with horse racing. And and just to be clear, before anyone angrily responds and says, "Am I comparing humans and, and and animals?" I'm not. I'm not equating a human slave to a racehorse. I'm just trying to point out that our extremist position, you know, has a tradition in this country, you know, something that is wrong is simply wrong and needs to end. And that's, that was my answer when I was asked by one of the senators, you know, what do you say to all those people who would be put out of work? And before I got into the fact that most of these jobs are, are not very good and low paying and, and these, these, these employees could be retrained to do other things, and these tracks are sitting on valuable property, so they, they will be redeveloped into new industries and new, new jobs, new tax revenue. In fact, I've got a page on the website that says exactly that, all the tracks that have closed since the year 2000 and what they have become or, or, or are in the process of becoming. But before I got into all that, I said, look, we have to answer this simple question. Is it wrong that we are abusing and killing horses for $2 bets? And if the answer is yes, then that's the end of the conversation. We are not to talk about jobs and money and tax revenue. If something is immoral, if, if, if you agree with our position that this is immoral, then it doesn't matter how many jobs it produces. It has to end. So that's, that's our answer to anyone up at Saratoga that says, oh, what about all the restaurants and, and shops that benefit because of Saratoga and the, and the racing during the summer? And I simply say, well, you know, Saratoga is a beautiful region with a lot of history. We like to go up there ourselves and, you know, spend the weekend. There's a lot to recommend it beyond the race course. Um, so that is not a justification to keep abusing and killing horses. It
0: has to end. Would you say that that gambling is a tax on the poor? You know, it could be Cynthia. You know, I I, um, I haven't really.
1: I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer that question with authority. I um, I do know that, you know, people develop terrible addictions and they lose their houses and their cars and their families and their life savings and and I think that that's that's bad. But at the same time, you know, these are autonomous human beings capable of making choices. So um, as opposed to, say, cigarettes, you know, which were marketed to teenagers, you know, way back in the day, that was evil. Mm-hmm. And in addition, they would put highly addictive substances in those cigarettes to get them hooked on them, knowing full well that they cause cancer and other terrible conditions. That was evil. I don't know if the same is, is, is true of, of gambling in general. So our position at Horse Racing Longs is... We're not against gambling per se. We're just against gambling on the backs of suffering animals, be it dogs or horses. So Mm -hmm. what an autonomous human being chooses to do with his or her money is up to them. And again, I have sympathy for people who do lose everything. I have sympathy for, you know, a wife or a husband whose spouse is out there gambling away their, their paycheck. But that's beyond the scope of what we're about at horse racing wrongs. We want to end this
0: particular form of gambling. Okay. So besides, besides, um, the triple crown and the Kentucky Derby, and of course for us, Saratoga, what other noted horse racing events are there to the country? Uh,
1: probably most prominently would be the breeders cup. And that happens in November. Um, it, it rotates venues, but most recently it's been at in California. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there it's two days and mega, you know, mega rich races being run. You know, well, well over a million dollars. That's probably the next biggest event after the Triple Crown. Not probably it is, but each racetrack, even the the lower tier tracks, have, you know, their there are big days during the during the course of the meets. You know, here at Saratoga, it's the Traverse Stakes, which is you know very well known because it is Saratoga. That happens in late August. But every track has um, you know their spotlight race on on, on on a particular day during the course of the year. But of course, most people have, just know the Triple Crown: the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes.
0: Right. So. Um, you're active all year long. Mm-hmm. So we,
1: um, again, you know, in addition to our data, we send protest materials out across the country. I think we're up to 25 states and probably the same amount of tracks around the country. We have mm-hmm. been active in California, in Florida, in Maryland, in Delaware, in Arizona. So we are, uh, you know, very well known for that, and there's no charge, you know. So if activists call us, say, look, we want to protest uh, Indiana uh, Grand, you know, which is uh, the thoroughbred track in Indiana, you know, what can you do to help us? And in addition to sending out signs and posters and banners and leaflets, we also give them guidance, you know, how to you know, organize the protest, how to handle media requests, give them the talking points. Um, We also put our names on on protests, you know, press releases that go out. So my name is on there in case somebody in Indiana wants to call me for an interview. So, you know, we're doing that. It's very much grassroots. And Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you know, Cynthia, every great social justice movement in our nation's history, you know, be it civil rights, gender equality rights, sexual orientation rights, what have you, every one of those started in the streets with protests. We have to voice our outrage. We have to say, this cannot stand. This is wrong, cannot stand. And so, you know, the purpose of these protests is twofold. One, obviously, it's to get media, you know, because then we can get our message out exponentially, you know, they're covering our protests. Uh, True, though It is to make people feel uncomfortable So we're not there to shame You know, we're not yelling at them Saying that they're terrible people For going into Saratoga To support the track We're offering them information Like I said, we have leaflets So we're there to educate But also to make them feel a bit uncomfortable We want to let them know That what they are supporting Is wrong That it is cruel And it is deadly These animals are suffering, so they can go out and have a day out, you know, betting, being entertained, and we want them to be able to think about that in their quiet moments, especially families at Saratoga, because you can imagine the kids walking by these signs, they lock right in, kids are, you know, we're, we're all born innately compassionate, we feel, you know, we feel, you know, others' pain, and when these kids walk by, and we, we used to see this with the Ringling protests down at the Times Union Center. You know, we'd have the, the pictures of the elephants chained up, and the kids would lock right in on that. And the same thing with horse racing. They'll see the horses with the broken legs, or um, they'll read the words on our signs. And we want them to ask their parents, Mom, Dad, what were those people – why were they there? Why were they angry? Why were they holding those signs? we want to put, we want to stir a conversation and we want the parents to have to answer that we, and we want the parents to to rethink you know their next outing so the next time they're thinking what are we going to do on a beautiful sunday afternoon in the capital region should we go to the track mm, i don't know i don't know if i you know want to <clears throat> walk my children past you know those protesters and 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 maybe i don't want to support that anymore you know let's go to a park instead or go to the Mm. landscape or whatever. There's a million things to do in this area. So that's what we're there for, is to make people feel uncomfortable, to get them to rethink what they're doing, their behavior, and also to get media attention on, you know, so we can get our message out to a wider audience. So, Pat,
0: you have a website?
1: Yes, it's called org. And I always say, Cynthia, that if uh, you know, you want to know what's wrong with horse racing <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> my allergies. <laughs> if you want to know what's wrong with horse racing, go to the website, read it every day for a week, spend maybe five, ten minutes, not a lot of time. And I'm confident that if you do, you'll come away with the same conclusion. This is wrong and it has to end. It's the best case against horse racing. It's where all the data is. I report on deaths as they happen. Um, of course, I file those FOIA requests each, you know, I, twice a year with the State Racing Commissions, and I get all these details on horse, how these horses are dying. If I could ask mm-hmm. people to read one thing on the, on the website, it would be under the category how they die, where I sample, mm-hmm. you know, again, I get a lot of information. We've documented since 2014, we have documented over 7,000 deaths. Uh, horse racing wrong. Mm-hmm. Those are names, dates, locations, details of deaths over seven thousand. But I like to, uh, I like to, you know, bring it down to a more manageable number. So each year I'll, I'll, I'll take a sampling of some of those deaths, and I ask people to mm-hmm. just, just start reading down the list and the descriptions. It's the descriptions. It's not, you know, simple broken leg. It's, it's the bone jutting out through the skin. It's blood in the dirt. It's, like I said, broken necks. It's, it's a horse paralyzed mm-hmm. from a severed spine on the track. It's a horse that has suffered blood force head trauma or is suffering from pulmonary hemorrhage and bleeding internally. You know, wow. these are the gruesome details that people need to know. They need to know this is what they support. Even if they only bet once a year on the Kentucky Derby, you're supporting mm-hmm. this industry. And just because a horse doesn't die on Kentucky Derby Day, doesn't mean that you're not supporting the industry as a whole because you are. So, Every bet, go ahead.
0: So, Pat, our time is up, and we we'll talk again once Saratoga opens, and and we could discuss horse racing at that point. So yes, for sure. You have, you've been listening to. Pat, help me out again with your last name. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's Patrick Batuolo. And I'm Cynthia Poulin. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Pat.
1: Thank you, Cynthia.